Hey guys, are you ready to live heroically? Today, I'm proud to have an award-winning author and speaker, Christian De La Huerta, and forgive me if I'm saying that wrong, uh, on the show to discuss this new book, Awakening the Soul of Power, which is the first in a new series called Calling All Heroes. His book focuses on freeing yourself from things that hold you back from being who you can be. My name is Brent, and I'm the Fallible Man, and welcome to the Fallible Man podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. We provide content to help men become the men they want to be. Christian, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Hey, Brent. I'm so glad to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me, and you did great with, uh, with the name. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for the book as well. I want to make sure I get this on camera, guys, and I'll have on the video version of the podcast, I will make sure that picture gets in there well. Uh, but thank you for the autograph as well and sending that out. I love I love the feel of books. It just Nothing beats the actual texture of reading a book. I have an e-reader. I'm with you. I'm, I haven't switched yet to, to, I'm all set up for it, but I, I like the feel of a book myself. I have a bit of a book addiction problem. I have a, a Kindle for traveling and I also do audiobooks. but at the end of the day, I would much rather sit down with a cup of coffee and actually read a book. Yeah. Um, I've been looking forward to discussing this. Uh, so I was reading through your book over the last week and taking it all in. I got to admit, it is, uh, wow, impressive. You uh, are quite the writer. And guys, if you're joining us in the podcast, I'm going to have three links in the show notes, as well as if you're catching this on YouTube, there will be three links under the video. Um, that will take you directly to Christian's website where you can order a copy of the book, as well as an Amazon listing of his for the book and for Christian's mailing list. So if you want to follow along and get to know Christian better, you can sign up for his mailing list. And that way you'll get news right off the bat when he has new releases. Guys, be sure and hit over. I'm going to give you a link. If you're listening on the podcast, it's HTTPS colon whack whack. Sorry, that's geek speak. I, I always get that wrong. I don't even know what those things are called. Otherwise, I'm an IT guy. Uh, soulfulpower.com forward slash awakening hyphen the hyphen soul hyphen of hyphen power book did i get all the hyphens <laughs> thanks so much man i really appreciate your um you're actually taking the time to read the book and to help spread its message i really appreciate your, your kind words i just would not feel confident even having this conversation if i hadn't take time to actually read the book guys we're going to roll to the show intro Stick around and we're going to get into this with Christian and go all through his book. This is the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Here is your host, the Fallible Man, Brent Dowling. All right, guys, welcome back. And hey, Christian, before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself. I uh, got a little bit of an overview in the first chapter or two of the book, but tell our audience a little bit about yourself. I was, I was born in Cuba, uh, so I lived in a communist regime for the, the first 10 years of my life. So, you know, I like to say that I'm an unlikely person to be writing about heroism and about personal empowerment because... I was born in, in a totalitarian regime, right? So power over is what I was raised in. Um, in, in the communist country, like you didn't have a choice as to if you went to college and if you did what you majored in, uh, you pretty, you were pretty much property of the state. Um, and my family is also very Catholic, which is another, you know, mostly 
patriarchal, hierarchical power over structure. When I came to the States, I didn't speak a word of English, and we lived in a small town. We first lived in a small town in, in Georgia. Wow. Um, which didn't take kindly to foreigners. So I, I kind right. of mastered feeling otherwise, you know, feeling like different. Um, and I was painfully shy. I was so shy as a teenager. I was okay one-on-one. If you introduced the third human, I clammed up to the degree, Brent, that I was a good student. Um, and, and I think that was part of where I escaped into with my, my books. Um, so I had all A's in high school except for one B. And I didn't do this intentionally, but looking back on it, I, I know that I sabotaged my, my GPA so that I wouldn't have to give the valedictorian speech because there is no way that I would have been able at that time to give, um, you know, stand in front of a room of hundreds and hundreds of people and give a speech. Um, and, and what's empowering about that in terms of, of the authenticity of the book's message is that these days, you know, I'm not, I, I speak all over the world. I'm a TEDx speaker. I'm actually professional, you know, professional speaker. I get paid for speaking at, at, at different events. So what I write about, I know from personal experience. Um, if they're not just hypothetical, theoretical teachings that I picked up along the way. They're like they work, um, and and also like my adolescence was was one long depression. You know, just I know self doubt. I know self hatred even. And these days, no matter no matter what happens in my life, no matter the circumstances, the details like a relationship works out or it doesn't, a, a project succeeds or or it fails, I never ever question my my sense of self. I never slip back into self doubt or, or or you know the self defeating sabotaging part patterns ever again. That that in itself is a, I think a difficulty a lot of people share. I know some very talented people, but they just personally are very shy and have a lot of self-doubt. They don't have a lot of self-confidence and belief in who they are and the value they bring to things. And so, yeah, it's it's very difficult to move past that in your own life. I think for almost anybody, it's just learning that you have value and you have something to offer the world. Uh, it's a very hard stretch. and. I, I can't even imagine uh, transitioning from growing up in Cuba to the South. So would you give us kind of a, your, your, your book is definitely deep. Um, can you give us kind of a 40,000 foot view of your book? Uh, just a quick synopsis to kind of clue in our listeners to what exactly we're talking about here. Sure. So, so I'll say a little bit, since you mentioned the series, I'll say a little bit about that because your audience, I think, would, would relate to the heroism thing. So the series is Calling All Heroes and what does it mean to live a heroic life in the 21st century? When we you know, don't have the horse hitched outside, most of us don't anyway, and the armors and the demons dislikes that the ones in, in our own heads. Um, those same voices of self-doubt and insecurity that we were talking about before, etc. those self-sabotaging ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the numbers we do on ourselves. Um, and so this first book is about personal empowerment. So like how do we step into personal power in a way that's not about hierarchy, control, fear, force, domination, manipulation, that doesn't require for us to push any, anybody down, step on them in order for us to feel powerful. So, so how do we do it in a different way? And, and, and what I've discovered is that a lot of us, I would say most of us, have an ambivalent relationship to power. We want it, but we're afraid of it. 
And, and I think what we fear mostly is that we might abuse it. And, and no wonder. Like all we got to do is watch the news on any given day or read the, the glance through the headlines even and witness multiple abuses of power. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, you know, we've been conditioned since we were kids that power is a bad thing and that absolute, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. What they didn't tell us is that that quote referred originally to political power, not interpersonal power that we're talking about here. And add to that mix the fact that we've, we've been conditioned, especially as men, to make the emotions weakness, right? So we're afraid of the emotions um, and, and we avoid conflict, uh, we're, we avoid confrontation. Um, and so put all that together into a mix and what happens, we, we end up saying yes when inside we feel no. We end up stuffing ourselves, our, our magnificence, our, our power, our preferences. And in order to avoid conflict, to, to, we sell ourselves out. We, we play small um, for all those reasons, too, you know, for that illusion of security, for a false sense of acceptance, for morsels of pseudo-love. And, and that's not a good strategy. It's not an effective strategy. Okay. I, uh, I can definitely... Reading through the book, I've, I've experienced some uh, abuses of power over my lifetime. Uh, and it, I definitely, I, it's, uh, I don't know if pet peeve is the right term. I, I, I have very strong reactions when I see people that are supposed to be people we can trust, people we can rely on and look up to abusing that power. That really, you know, I, I catch those headlines and it just, angers me um based partially on my own personal experiences with some of that so yeah it's uh yeah. I, I gotta ask um i would modestly say i have a slightly above the norm exposure towards eastern philosophies and there were definitely some sections in your book that were much more advanced reading than kind of an introductory concept to some of that. What was your target audience? Were you looking for new readers or people who are new to the idea of a upward spiritual journey? Or were you looking for people who were already starting down that path anyway? Um, what was your goal with this one? That's a, it's a great question. And, and I mean, my goal is for everybody to read this book because the, the book will change you know, the reader's life. Promise them just just the way that they they think about themselves about about the, how the mind works, uh, the reasons that we get into these patterns of self sabotage, mm -hmm. why we get stuck in relationship patterns that sometimes it feels like we're in the same boring play with a different actor with a different player, but it's the same. You know, it's like I've been here before. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's it's it requires a little bit of work, and and even more. I think I think that the, the reason that I think it is a heroic effort is because looking at ourselves, you know, look going within, being willing to look at ourselves and understand what triggers us, uh, why certain things and not others get our go, right? yeah. and why is it that they do? Right, like the same behavior could get, could have me here all worked up and it doesn't bother you at all. It doesn't phase you. So why is it that things get us certain things? Um, and, and why do we get into these patterns of behavior and thinking? 
So it is, it, it is, requires work. It's not like, you know, like, like reading a novel. Yeah, it's uh, definitely so worth it. It, it is so worth it because it's, it holds the keys to freedom. Um, that, that first part of the book, and I, I intentionally designed it in short chapters so that, you know, you can read it just in a short sitting, like, and, and what I also try to do to make it interactive and participatory is that at the end of every chapter, there are those questions or power practices that are designed to help the reader apply the teachings so that it doesn't stay at just a theoretical, oh, what a great idea, mm-hmm. like that we actually apply the teachings to our lives so that our lives can change. And so that we can free ourselves from all the self-limiting um, behaviors and, and patterns that we find ourselves imprisoned by. I actually found that. I, I will admit to I, I did not take the time to actually do the questions uh, as I was trying to get make sure I got through the book um, before I got to meet with you. But I did actually find that as a very uh, unique and viable way to take chapters past just the initial glance to actually stop and have it where you set it up where it's like okay we talked about this now let's reflect on this and let's actually internalize this a little bit through some action i I thought that was actually a a really well thought out design in the way you wrote the book yeah thanks so much brother i really appreciate you saying that and you know and because the chapters are are short i would say Mm -hmm. you know just don't give yourself time to, to the to the audience so just take a chapter a week. You can do it in, you know, for sure, you know, 20, 30 minutes, get through it. And some of them are even, you know, shorter, a couple of pages. Yeah, a couple of them surprised me on that. I was like, wait, <laughs> I just I just got to this chapter. Yeah, exactly. Right? Some of them are really short. Some of them are a little bit longer. So it might take, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Give yourself time, don't rush through it, and then do the practices. Because that, that's what's going to really help you apply it to your life. And I guarantee you. Guarantee you, it'll it'll change your life. I have no doubt that that it, that it is life changing. I I think I think you're on to something. Um, now I uh, I was a little I, I don't know. You you seem very influenced in Eastern philosophies. Um, and forgive me because I don't remember her name. You referenced a teacher that you studied under, uh, and so. It was a different direction to get to a place than I was expecting. Yeah. Well, not not a bad direction, just just a different route than I was expecting. Um, I, I've grown up. My father was a minister for forty seven years, I want to say, and so I've grew, grown up. Uh, and I'm I'm a former minister, so I've I've grown up around people who speak, and uh, you know, it's one of those things where not everybody gets there the same way but i think we're all heading in a lot of the same directions exactly exactly and and i was raised catholic i i almost became a priest um and my father was a psychiatrist my my degrees in psychology so so the approach to this book it's kind of balancing the psychology and the spirituality but a very broad sense of spirituality definitely influenced by eastern thought for sure and it, I think it also balances east, east and west. And, yeah. And I'm with you. I, I think that at the core, um, there are some really basic messages that, that, you, that, that are available in all the religions. Uh, you know, like, I, I, and, and principles that if we really live by them, they would change the world. 
Um, I loved your. Did did you do the drawings? I got I got to ask. Did you no, have- no, no. Are you, are you kidding? I wish I hired. You know, it's like it's part of this world that we live in. I have the cover designer was in India, mm-hmm. a young woman. The I had the 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 illustrations. I had one guy in Spain who was originally from Venezuela. I had another guy in 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 Chile who was originally from I forget where from somewhere else. Um, they're from everywhere. So like right, but you, you know with fiber and um, yeah, it's amazing what you can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can and you can get some really good quality mm-hmm. and very affordable um, graphic design and book design and cover design work. I really the cover is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's eye catching. Uh, the diversity of the color spectrum as it goes across is very eye-catching. But I was enjoying the illustration of ego <laughs> that you created. Uh, a cross between Golem and maybe some Indian gods, right? A multi-Indian deity. Yeah, it was a very vivid illustration, though. Not just the picture, just the way you described it. And then the artist did an excellent job actually catching what you were saying and turning that into an illustration but it uh it made for a very vivid illustration of dealing with ego um yeah and and i think you addressed that really well ego is such i I can't honestly think of anybody ego doesn't struggle with their ego a little bit right Uh, it's the human condition like there isn't anybody who, who doesn't have one everybody has one it's part it's part of the way that we're you know wired um, the the question is whether we are we letting the ego run the show, um, and and letting it think that it is the sun when it's actually rather than uh, putting it back in its proper place um, in orbit around and in service to the sun. And forgive me if I look away for a minute here and there. I'm scrolling my notes over here on my other screen. <laughs> uh, I I take meticulous notes when I'm prepping for a show because. If I just leave it in my head, there's no way it's going to go right. <laughs> like I said, I really, I really love your preparation and really appreciate that you actually took the time to to read it. I have so many questions. <laughs> I don't know that we'll get to them all in one show. And guys, if you're getting something out of this, be sure and give this a thumbs up and be sure and find Christian on all of his platforms, wherever he is. And we will get to those at the end and make sure that everybody has those as well. I, I loved some of your points I through like I, I, I took notes as I read actually. So while I didn't do your questions, I actually did take notes as I was reading through the book. Um, sometimes on my lunch break at work and sometimes curl up in a chair. But I love the illustration of the ego, but the idea of personal responsibility that you were driving at in the book was is so important to me from my perspective. I think more and more in this culture, people are taught not to take personal responsibility, right? We want to hang everything on everybody else. And so I was really enjoying that because I think it's very liberating once you embrace the idea of personal responsibility. Yes. So would you speak to that a little bit? Yes. Would you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, thank you. Um, and and the, you know, and that's nothing short of heroic. That's one of the ways in which I mean that what, what this path is nothing less than heroic, because anybody can feel victimized by life. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like that's the human condition. Like, and, but if if we're talking about a journey of personal empowerment, 
as long as we're holding someone outside of us responsible for our state of being, whether it's, or, or even a system, right? Whether it's society or, or, you know, racism or misogyny or sexism or homophobia, as long as we're holding anything outside of ourselves responsible for our happiness, for our fulfilling our potential, we just gave our power away completely, completely. So, so that's one of those things that I just don't see how to, how to get around that. If, if we want to be in our power, and by the way, I'll, cl- I'll clarify that this is not minimizing anybody's trauma mm-hmm. or, or any tragedy and, and the stuff that people experience and do, and do to each other is sometimes unspeakably difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not minimizing that. So I'm, and I'm not, I'm not making excuses for that. I'm not saying that it, that it was okay. I'm not saying that we need to hang out with anybody that who who don't we need to, that we don't want to be hanging around with. Right. And if you want to step into our power at at some point, we gotta like realize that you know like w- one thing that we can count on is that life is gonna continue throwing curveballs our way. We're never gonna predict what those curveballs are, but we can always choose how we're gonna show up in response to that. And at that level, that's popping ourselves out of that victim, poor me, woe is me, what my mother did, what my father didn't do, the minister, the teacher, the ex, um, the the former employer. Because as long as we're we're holding ourselves responsible, giving our power away to them because of of our state of being, it's like we're keeping ourselves disempowered. Right. You're completely just giving away any ability to control you at that point. I read a book, I guess, I read uh, Jocko Willink. Are you familiar with him? Uh, He's a former Navy SEAL. He's got his own podcast, but he's a former Navy SEAL. One of him and his buddies have a company where they do uh, corporate leadership retreats and stuff like that. But he has a book called Extreme Ownership that Mm -hmm. I read either a year or two ago. And it's extraordinary. Um, he talks about its use. He was one of the guys running the shots in Operation Bruiser in Baghdad when they were trying to take the city. The movie American Sniper, Chris Kyle was in his unit mm-hmm. working under Jocko. Um, I just made a note. I'm going I'm to check it out. Thank you for that. They, uh, they, they talk about, you know, even in the bad days, that was what they were trying to teach their man was extreme ownership. You know, they had a, a friendly fire incident. And he said, you know, and it was, it was not him directly, but he's like, no, that was my fault because I was the commander of that area and I did not appropriately convey to my troops and to the different units working with us, the criticality of keeping the communication, no matter how fast we're moving and knowing where everybody else is and keeping those lines of communication open. So that's my fault. Wow, man. It's like, yeah, it was like, just right. That touches my heart. That is like real leadership that's like real ownership and uh i i read that and it really triggered something in me like i kept like i said it was a year or two ago when i read that and it just it changed my viewpoint radically because i saw the beauty and how that concept gave me power again yes right i'm not at the whim of oh well the boston give me this promotion. Well, did I do everything that I could possibly do to make sure my boss knew that 
I deserve that promotion or that I was qualified and should be the logical choice, right? That takes it away from I'm a victim to I'm in control of what I'm doing. Exactly. And that's a great example because my last corporate job, like over 30 years ago, um, I was, I was let go, I was fired. And, and so, and I held on to the story for a couple of years about, you know, the, the, which wasn't necessarily, you know, false. There were poor, real poor leadership. My immediate boss and, and the head of this hospital that were neither one of them were people I respected or would ever want to emulate or hang out with. Mm-hmm. And with that being the case, it's like, if I got really honest, I, I, like I eventually did, I overrode my gut feeling. Like I knew that I had some misgivings about that hospital. It wasn't a company that I respected. It wasn't in, it wasn't a beautiful setting and not that, not that that's the only thing. But I, you know, when I went for my interview, I could see that it just didn't feel the, the there wasn't like, like a sense of well-being in, in the among the staff. And because I needed a job, I overrode my gut feeling and I said yes. So that you know, that was my part in it. That was my role. It's like I if if I got really honest, if I had been given a shot of the truth serum, it's like I would have said, no, I'm not gonna take that job. But I was I was run by the fears like, my God, how am I gonna pay the bills? Oh, I think that controls a lot of us. <laughs> how, how many people say jobs they hate? Because that very thing, right? We are, oh my, you know, I, I was blessed this last year during the COVID outbreak where my job was one of those that was considered essential uh, in the role I fill in the IT industry. And so I managed to keep working all year. You know, there were minimal changes, but I managed to continue to work and hold my job. The amount of people who lost their jobs because of that or had to close down or whatever. And I'm looking at all these people dealing with that fear of, well, what do I do now? There were people who did really well with it and went, well, kind of stinks, but I now have to grow, change, and adapt and move outside of what was normal for me and find something else. Yeah. And there were people who just went, oh, no, the system's broken and it's all horrible. and, and, And it absolutely was horrible. Uh, and I really hate the fact that we have to put in those disclaimer statements like you did a few minutes ago. It's like, I'm not trying to minimize anybody's experiences and exactly tragic that we are at a state where you have to throw out those disclaimers because that's people's natural assumption is that you're trying to belittle something. It's, it's very a sorry state, honestly, that yeah. how, how many shows I've had, to, I've said things and had to put a little disclaimer, blah, 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 disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. This right. is starting to sound like a prescription drug commercial. <laughs> That's funny, but you know that you just were you pointing to another example of this. Are we going to be stuck in victim mode? Mm-hmm. Like what happened? That as horrible as COVID was, mm-hmm. and 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 the tragedy of all these companies closing their doors and and people losing their jobs and their and their the effect on the economy. So I get sucked, and. How are we going to be about it? Because if we if we stay in that story about poor me and what was me and, and this big bad COVID and this you know big bad global economic system and all that kind of stuff, then we keep ourselves in that prison of, of disempowerment. Mm-hmm. Whereas what you're talking about is like okay, like many people have done, and many people I know who did lose their jobs, and it turned out to be a blessing. 
because it forced them to like dig deep and ask the real questions. Like, what am I really doing here? What am I passionate about? And, and like you were saying, like you were pointing to before is, is tragic how cheaply we sell ourselves for that illusion of security. Because if you tell me, okay, I'm making, you know, three quarters of a million dollars a year, then we can talk about selling ourselves. Mm-hmm. But most of us are selling ourselves for real cheap. Right. That for that illusion of security of a biweekly paycheck, because like we see, like we've seen, companies are here today, gone tomorrow. The, the entire global economic system is made up. It's illusion. And we used to say it was paper. It's not even paper. It's yeah. ones and zeros on a cloud somewhere. And that's what we're going to sell ourselves to. And, and, and that's what we're going to place our trust on. I'm not. Today's episode brought to you by thefallibleman.com. That's right, it's us. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com and check out our blog, updated twice a week with new content, and links to all of our social media offerings. Tag or search us at The Fallible Man or at Fallible Man on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social medias for daily content. While you're there, check out our attitude swag, shirts, cups, stickers, and more. Again, that's www.thefallibleman.com. Can I switch gears with you for a second here? For sure. You can, you can uh, take this wherever you want. So I would like you to define misogyny as you understand it. Because on page 125 of the book, you were talking about how you could use several examples of different people who have been oppressed historically or throughout the years but you are using the example of women because misogyny connects all other issues we face as a species. Now, I looked up misogyny because I wanted to make sure that I had read the definition right and understood what you were speaking about and understand misogyny to be defined as the hatred of women. Um, I think Wikipedia has a little bit more of an expanded version of it than the dictionary does, but the dictionary defines it as the hatred of women. And you state that Misogyny connects all other issues we face as a species, which seems like a very strong statement to me. Um, and so I would like to understand how you defined that and how you connected those dots. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. That's a profound question. Yeah, so that's the technical definition is hatred of women. Mm-hmm. To me, the way that I think about misogyny, it's it's the making the feminine less than. Right? The, all of life is balanced between the masculine and the feminine. For the last 6,000 years, you know, what, what's considered the patriarchy time, mm-hmm. it was mostly the matriarchy. And before there was a god, there was a goddess. Right. And then things shifted and it became a patriarchal system in which the feminine was, was oppressed, was controlled, right? So, so it was, was subjugated. It's considered less than. That's one of the reasons we, 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 we have difficulty with the emotions is because we consider the emotions a feminine thing. Whereas they're not masculine, they're not feminine, they're just energies, right? So, so, so as men, especially, you know, since we've been conditioned that to, to, be, to have feminine qualities, whatever that means, is a bad thing and that that is an insult. And so the way that, that, that I talk about, I'm not, I'm not suggesting we go back to a matriarchal system at all. What, what I'm suggesting is that we need to find balance in the world and inside each one of us uh, between masculine and feminine energies that everybody has. 
we all have both masculine and energetic feminines because right. that's what the world is. That's what creation is. And we're part of creation. Uh, so, and so, but the way that I, that I mean that it's all interconnected that when it's that when women are in 50% of power, mm-hmm. um, we're going to have a very different relationship to war, to poverty, to hunger, to wealth distribution, to social justice, to healthcare, to how we treat the environment, to all of it. And it's not to idealize women, it's not to put women up on a pedestal, it's not to add another layer of responsibility for women to take care of things. It's just to to say that we're running off balance as a world, as a species, we're we're running off kilter. And and because of that, that's the reason that we've gotten ourselves into the, the, the collective hole that we have dug ourselves into. It's that relationship that that describes our relationship to the environment, right? Which are a relationship to the earth, which is more of a, um, I'm trying not to use, you know, uh, FDF word, but, but it's a word, it's a relationship to the earth, which is, which is more about getting what we want, mm-hmm. taking what we need from it. It's more like a rape and pillage relationship to the earth, not a stewarding relationship to the, to the earth, which is also a very masculine thing, but we just got into this more pseudo-masculinity, control domination thing that, that we think that's what it means to be a man. Um, whereas a whole other tradition where, where men as, as, as very nurturing, as caretakers, protectors, as providers, mm-hmm. that we've kind of gotten um, lost in touch with. Okay. I, I like I said, I won't, I, but after reading more of the book, it's like, I'm not hearing this as he intends it. So I wanted to take the time to ask the question um, because obviously we're a very pro-masculinity channel. And so some of the statements you made is like, uh, where, where is this really sitting? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked. I'm, I'm not anti-man at all. <laughs> at all um i'm just i'm just advocating for balance and, and i think you have a very good point i think we need balance i don't know that a 50 50 balance is ever going to actually settle simply because as a species i think we struggle with that too much all you have to do is like look at congress right they're a vicious vicious pit of vipers I, i'm sorry i know there are some good people in congress there are a lot of not good people in the congress but if you look at this two-party system, it, it's a failed system. It, it has been for a long time. And it's always about a power struggle between one or the other. And like we were discussing earlier, I said, you know, as we move towards trying to empower women, in that same movement, we've tried to crush what is masculine to do that. Where to the same point, right, you said it started out as a very matriarchal society. And masculinity tried to crush femininity some to shift that balance of power. Because for some reason, as a species, we tend to think we have to, there's no middle, we have to have all or nothing. And I I think a 50-50 balance would be astronomically difficult, if not impossible, uh, just because we don't seem to understand that concept as a species in general. We understand I'm either in control and you're not, or you're in control and I'm not. We don't seem to have a 
You know, the idea behind Congress by the founding fathers was actually a brilliant concept long ahead of his time. But they also saw, if you look at the early writings of the founding fathers, they also saw how badly it could go very quickly when they stopped working towards a common goal and started becoming self-serving. And I think we struggle with that, right, in trying to find this balance between masculinity and feminism. And I'm not sure the two can equally share the same space without radical changes in personal responsibility. Well, which, which is what I'm also advocating for. Right, right. Uh, and that's part of part of the problem in that is that because the, the way, you know, what I call worldly power or ego power, the, the part, the expression of power that is hierarchical by nature that requires that I push somebody down and in order for me to feel powerful comes from a place that believes that there's a limited amount of power. So power is a zero-sum game, which means that you having power takes away from mine. Right. But it's a faulty assumption. Definitely in, in, in interpersonal power, it's a, fault, it's a faulty assumption. Because why should your having power threaten me? It's like, you know, I'm, if I feel in my power, if I know who I am, if I'm clear about what I like and what I don't like, what works for me, what doesn't work for, for me, what my boundaries are, mm-hmm. then it's like, I'm not threatened by anybody, anybody else having power. It's like I get to celebrate you also being in your power. And then we don't have to get stuck in these power struggles that, that are not healthy. Because some, when, so somebody, you know, like is going to press and push and abuse power that way. Right. Then the, the recipient of that abuse then is, is going to start expressing it and trying to figure out a way to balance power in unhealthy ways. Like, like, you know, like, like passive aggressiveness is a great example. Right. It's like here, here I am watching TV and, and, you know, my, my spouse is in, in, in the kitchen or my partner or whomever, my girlfriend, whomever is like, Hey, honey, can you help me? Can you come help me here? It's like, Hey, I'll be there in five minutes. 10 minutes later, Hey, can you come help me? It's like, Hey, I'll be right over. Right. That's what I'm saying. But inside I'm really saying, screw you. I'll come over when I'm good and ready or the reverse. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 not honey, not honey. I have a, I have a headache tonight. That's what that's what they might be saying, but inside they're like, screw you. Mm-hmm. Hell is going to freeze over before you get any tonight. So that's the passive aggressive ways in which in which we all use you know, right. men or women uh, to balance um, abuses of power. And, it, and none of it leads to to good, healthy relationships because it becomes a, a, a cycle. Uh, you know, you do this, I do that. You do this, I do that. Uh-uh, 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 until somebody gets off the craziness merry-go-round. See, I'm I'm so glad we actually have this interview. I, I like I said, I was a little uncomfortable, honestly, um, because like I said, I feel like we have different directions we're coming to things from, but I I feel like we agree on so many things. Exactly. Uh, overall. Overall, and, we don't have to agree in 100%. Of course not. Right, right. But that seems to be a, a dying art that we can go, uh, you know what? We, we don't agree, but that's okay. We don't have to because I'm me and you're you and we all have different stories. And uh, it's such a lost art form these days. But Christian, I want to be respectful to you. We are coming up on right in an hour. All right. Uh, that's what you agreed to. So I don't want to hold you longer than that. I know you have other obligations as well. Summation, what is the most valuable point 
you want people to take away from your book? That the power is within. Right? We tend to think of power as outside of us. You know, people, we tend to think of powerful people as rich people, famous people, uh, people who are high up in some kind of hierarchy, whether it's a corporate ladder or some religious hierarchy. All those powers are external, right? So they're here today, gone tomorrow. There's a kind of power the, the, to what I, what I call authentic power, real power, spiritual power, soulful powers inside each and every one of us. Nobody can give it to us. Nobody can take it away, right? Only we can give it away, usually because of fear. Um, and so, or to avoid conflict. Um, and so there is a way that we can develop a healthy relationship with power. And, and that is no less powerful. By the way, think of Gandhi or Gandalf, right? In, in their simple monastic robes, in their sandal feet, you would never know how much power they hold until it's needed, until it's called for. And then watch out. I did enjoy that reference in the book, by the way. Yeah, right. It, it made my it made me smile a lot that when I read that line. Yeah, Gandhi Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees. Oh, absolutely. When it was at its highest point in terms of global power, mm -hmm. without landing a punch or shooting a gun. Mm -hmm. That's that's power. Much like Dr. King. Exactly. It, it's exactly. Right? Which, using the principles of nonviolence, which we can track down all the way to Christ. Absolutely. Where can they find you, Christian? I, I'm going to put your website in and on the video. Do you have social media that you use? Where can yeah. they find you? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, by your name or by your book title or? Yeah, it's either under my name or the title. Like it's either Soulful Power or under my name or Christian VLH. Uh, best way is just go to my website, and from there they can get the other the, the other links. Yeah, link. The website is soulfulpower.com. Yep, and that will be on the screen and under in the comment sections. Uh, I will make sure people can see that. What is next for you, sir? Well, God, a lot. Um, I just launched a year-long virtual coaching program, so. You know, another one of the benefits for me from COVID is like, you know, I haven't been on a plane for a year. Like I used to, I used to do, you know, close to a hundred thousand miles a day. I lived on a, you know, I was gone probably half the time at least. So it allowed me to finish the book and to develop this virtual coaching program, which, which makes it a lot more accessible, right? Because people may never be able to come to my retreats. Now they can actually have access to these teachings virtually wherever they are in the world. So I'm translating this book to Spanish. Um, I need to record the, the audio version of it. And as the, at the same time that I'm working on book two on relationships. Okay. Christian, it has been such a delight having this conversation with you. Thank you for coming on the show and to reaching out. Um, I wish you all the best going forward. Uh, I would love to talk to you again, maybe at your next book. Thank or you. anything else, uh, we'd love to have you back on the show. Thank you for your time today, and thank you for sharing with us. Thank you so much, Brad. I've, I've really thoroughly enjoyed our, our conversation and so honored the work that you're doing and your passion um, and the work that you're doing to support men um, to have healthier, happier, more complete, and more, more fulfilling lives. And so thank you for doing all, all of that you do. Thank you. And I will let you get back to your day, sir. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, 
husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.